Hello, Tim. Hello. Hello. Ryan. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> it's There's not that much of a delay. This is our first time, everyone, recording remotely per a social distancing quarantine ordinance. So sorry to not be in our studio today with you, Tim. Oh, that's quite all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm all about, you know, keeping... Lots of distance between me and humans. <laughs> In general? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's well, like at the grocery store, I, I think one of the things that makes me the most upset is when you're in line at any time for, you know, to check out and the person behind you decides to stand two inches away. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, why do you need to be close? You, are you, wait, are you talking about in general I'm still? I'm just talking in general. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I I'm know. Down, I'm down with my little personal bubble. Well, thank you for all these uh, first 83 episodes welcoming welcoming me into your personal bubble. <laughs> you're you're so welcome. <laughs> except right now. So, yeah, except right now. I said hello to Tim. I still got to say hi to you, you folks listening. Hello, welcome, welcome to episode 84 of Dismembering Horror. Hey, 84. Dismembering Horror, the podcast shoo, where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, we dismember a horror film every week, come rain or shine or viral outbreak. We're here for you. Mm. And this is this show where we talk about what worked, what did not work, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. Yep. That's what we do. Yeah. We're always, we're always on the search for what may may have eluded us before hoping to see what's good what's what's kind of good everything in between just want to see it <laughs> see it and i think tim will do you know having done some research now on this week's film tourist trap that <laughs> i'm sure i put this on the list because say you know not to, to skip ahead but on things of note this is one of stephen king's favorite horror films okay i, can, I mean <laughs> yeah i could see that <laughs> yeah exactly Fun, <laughs> funny king. fun guy old old steve yep steve. stevie king yep. um yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, so I, oh wait, I can't see Tim, our board with what's next, what's first. Oh my God, are you going to be able to handle it? <laughs> no. <laughs> After 84 episodes, you're 83 episodes, you can't remember the order? Let's see. After we do our intros, then I believe we watch the trailer. You got it. Okay, great. Well, let's let's do that. Let's okay. find ourselves the trailer for Tourist Trap. Every year, hundreds of young people travel the country and disappear. God help those who get caught in the tourist trap. <laughs> tourist Trap, where beautiful young people looking for excitement are tricked, terrorized. <laughs> 
Tim. So seeing your uh, sh- you shaking your head and your laughing face on the Skype via Skype, that's what. Uh, well, that's what was missing for me having to watch this separate. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh my to, god! To lead into our our next is our our uh, rating. Yeah. I believe. Yep. Did would we tell ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Um, well, I, I was I was kind of leading into it, Tim, with what I was saying. Like, this is kind of one of those movies where the best parts about it would be getting to watch it with other people. Yeah, it's like I, I definitely <laughs> definitely agree with that. So, like, just yeah, so I could. It was hard watching this movie and just being like, man, just Tim being aghast and WTFing throughout this whole thing <laughs> is what I'm really missing here. There was um, a lot of it. I yeah. actually I watched a good portion of this movie standing up in front of the TV. <laughs> just uh, just cuz just what do you kind mean? of like in like just like incomprehensible disbelief of like what was going on. <laughs> what am I watching here? Hold yes. on. <laughs> I got <laughs> Yeah. I just like kept throwing my hands up like what? Like what? <laughs> is happening? See, I wouldn't be surprised if we had watched it that way. Like this movie could have worked up like almost to a rent for me. I think now it's just kind of like at a just kind of a standard stream. There are part times when I was watching it when I'm just alone watching it where I was like, oh, this barely even makes a stream for me. Yeah, it's kind of rides that line of where it's just so bad or hokey or what is even happening you know it's incredible but it, yeah but then also just being kind of boring not a lot's happening it's like yeah. kind of a middle ground between those two yeah it's, it plods along in in a not super pleasant way so i think that to me in spite of a lot of just i mean i will we'll say there's a lot of fun and funny moments but like yeah, it, the plotting of that to get to those moments is a little like tiresome. So yeah. it's, it's it's a stream for me too. All right, stream it and stream it. Mm-hmm. Well, how about Tim? The summary: What did happen in Tourist Trap? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, <laughs> what didn't happen? So yeah. we've got um. Who who do we start with? Elaine is on the side of the road, and her her boyfriend Woody uh, have they, I guess they blew a, a tire, and uh, and and Woody has like gone into town or gone down the road to find you know a service station or something with the spare tire that has no air in it because he's a, a idiot and forgot to refill the spare tire or whatever. So, which having said that. I've definitely done that. So, you know, it's a thing that happens. The mo- It's probably the most realistic thing in this entire movie. Um, and so she's chilling out and her other friends, not unlike uh, Demon Wind, are behind her. Like, they drive up in their own car. And that is, let's see, Becky... Jerry and Molly. And they're like, oh shit, what happened? Where's Woody? What's up? And they're all just chill. They're all super 70s, like sexy. Um, And they decide to, since now they have a car that works, 
that, well, they pick Eileen up, they go in and they look for Woody and they end up at a tourist trap, assuming that that's where he's gone. This can't be this much of a play by play, Tim. We're going <laughs> to. Okay. So, well, I got to set it up. So at the, <laughs> at the uh, tourist trap, they decide to go skinny dipping, which is great almost. Because we I'm also thinking, had. Uh, a full kill come into this right. so far. Oh, right. So, yeah. So we, we see Woody get to the gas station and I don't know. The, the, he Nobody's there except some mannequins attack him. And then just the room turns into supernatural room and like complete chaos happens. So so supernatural stuff exists. Like objects flying totally. around. Yeah. He objects gets, until. Yeah. He gets killed with a pipe. A fucking yeah. like lead pipe hits him in the side of the of the gut, and uh, and then first five minutes, yeah, and blood pours out of it, which is exactly what should have happened. And so that's great. Um, yeah, so Woody's dead, and the, and he's like attacked by these sort of mannequin-y things. It's it's pretty nuts, though. Okay, so meanwhile, the girls and Jerry, uh, Jerry's car breaks down. The girls go. He tries to fix it. The girls go to a little oasis to skinny dip and then the main character sort of so to speak mr slawson shows up and he hates highways it's he's really against highways he says about 50 times in one scene if it weren't for the highway my my tourist trap would have would be great well and his tourist trap is both the the mannequin place that will you know will will come to know well but it's then very also like he... disney disneyland sort of animatronic y Thing going by way on. of like uh yeah a kind of confederate glaze yeah. over the whole thing and but where they where he finds them initially part of his tourist trap is slauson's lost oasis yeah which now has a close to the public sign but it's like a little you know waterfall mm-hmm. uh, pool yeah that's and i'm you know i'm shocked that we saw no boobs but you know, I guess it wasn't that they didn't get that rating or something because this movie seems like prime for for boobs. Um, yeah, I watched the Joe Bob Briggs version after, you know, this one. Yeah. After the regular one with his commentary, he was pretty upset about that. And he was really aghast. He's like, <laughs> the filmmakers, the filmmakers, a Texan, too. I can't believe it. <laughs> <Let me down>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> OK, so all of that is set up to, to say that the rest of the movie is just them kind of getting picked off kind of by or at least like terrorized by picked off or captured right by a a costumed kind of character it's like a guy wearing a mannequin's face and a <laughs> and a wig and we're led in different forms yeah and we're led to believe that he's the brother of Mr. Slauson and and there's other shit that goes on, like Slauson's got a dead wife that he kind of uh, has immortalized in mannequin form, and um, it, it, it's it's very back and forth because there's this mannequin actual being who's capturing people and then killing them, and we we meet one of the captors that's not the people we've already met. He's already got a, a young girl down there tied up. And I guess he's making them into mannequins. It's very yep. sort of, you know, it's not super directly uh, or explicitly explained. So 
all in all, Molly seems to kind of be the object of of both Mr. Slauson and this, you know, masked brother, so to speak. Um, and then twist it. There is no fucking brother. It's Mr. Slauson. So, you know, w- w- nobody's surprised by this. As you would say, Tim, shocking. Sh- just utterly shocking. And then it's a kind of a like got to get away from the bad guy for a little bit. Very Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre of like when they're all tied up in the basement together and he's giving her like the live waxing. Right, exactly. And then there's there's very much the sort of run through the woods and get caught and brought back and all that shit. Um, ultimately, there's also this sort of supernatural element of like things can either be moved because Mr. Slauson has some sort of telekinetic power. That's kind of what I thought might be going on. Or it, or it's all just in Molly's head and she's fucking gone nuts. It's a little vague. And then the movie, and then she, you know, she kills Slauson in the end and drives away an, insert, an insane person. Because she has all her friends in it, the form of dummies in her car with her. Yeah, and freeze frame. And freeze frame. Thank you for that, Tim. Yeah. For, I, so for anyone who didn't see the film. <laughs> it's... It's it's borderline incomprehensible. Yeah. In a lot of ways because it's like it well, without getting into criticizing it, it's hard to know what the fuck's going on in any way. Yep. Um there uh, are threads. Yeah, we get the the backstory of uh you know, he caught his brother and his wife together and he thought because he says it's the law that a man has a right to kill his wife in that circumstance basically i guess it's the law if it's the law you know you gotta do it yep Um, i had a thought though and i couldn't really remember if this was possible but or or said in any way but is it possible that slauson so he's he's a blonde guy he's connors he's great he's really great um so this is just to speculate before we get into the what worked and what didn't work. Is it possible that he, Slauson, the guy who's alive, is actually the brother and he killed, he was never married to the woman, that he killed his own brother because of jealousy, not the other way around? Or does, I guess it doesn't really matter. Oh, that he the, is actually the brother he's referring to? Yes. I guess it's that's irrelevant. That's a little too, like, double backward. I wouldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it on this movie to go that <laughs> far with it. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we, we get those pictures where it's, like, him and his brother and, like, the way yeah. where he talks about, oh, my brother was a genius. He would built all these things. Real right. mechanical genius. Well, it just made um, me think that kind of, there's that whole thing of, like... He's ba- he, well in a way I kind of thought maybe he's he's a little like he's had a psychotic break and he's kind of split personalitying this where like when he's got the mask on he he believes he is the brother and when he doesn't he believes he is Slauson. I mean who knows exactly how he's doing it. He's definitely imitating a lot of people. Right. Anyway, there's the line of um my brother was always jealous of me because I'm more handsome or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then in the pictures, I mean, this is just me. It's just my personal opinion. You know, <laughs> uh, it's all it's all very subjective. Beauty is definitely subjective. My dad used to say, "Degustibus non est disputatum." You can't argue taste. I think the brother's better looking. Ooh. I know. I know it's controversial, but he has a fucking sweet mustache. <laughs> Based on that picture that we saw of him, yeah. So I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. I'm. I I don't remember the brother's name, Davy or something like that. Well, either I, I, way, I'm, I'm I team brother. I appreciate the um, the level of detail this film is being <laughs> examined, and scrutinized, oh, and man. thought about. I should say not just the film, but the story within it That's and right. the characters within it. it. There's nuance galore in this movie. Well, then let's continue on All right. and let's talk about <laughs> some nuance that worked for us. How about that? I'm into it. All right. First section, what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. So an overall thing mm-hmm. I, 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 I appreciated about this was it had all the, it was like a precursor. It was a, even though it had a release date of 79, it was like an 80s slasher movie, you know, in just kind of everything about it. <laughs> but it still had the 70s aesthetics oh, of yeah. whether it be their outfits um, the the kind of music at the early scenes when it's like <laughs> everything's great and da, 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 that had like a super seventies vibe to it. Oh um, anyway, it was just fun having that kind of dare I say like best of both worlds. Yeah, where it's hard it's hard to say best when anything that was great about this movie is like just kind of it's the fact that it's schlocky and terrible is what makes it good. <laughs> um, and also I do want to mention that as an overall thing for this, what worked, I said this almost, I probably with demon wind, but when you have a movie where it's like the, the sort of the, just that, that watching it with your friends being aghast at it is what's fun about it. Oh, yeah. What may typically be in what did not work actually worked because that's, <laughs> that's what makes it fun this kind of movie definitely definitely yeah. like i i i even sort of like took a break halfway through watching it because i was like i'll get back to it you know what i mean like i had to take a phone call and instead of ignoring the phone call i was like yeah i can pause this right now whatever <laughs> right but it is that kind of movie where it's like if i was in a room with a bunch of people, you just like be hanging out and like it can be on and there's enough time in between funny things that happening happen that, you know, you could carry on an entire conversation and still enjoy the movie in a way. You're always putting together, add this to your list of films of, uh, oh, man, just have on it on. There. Yep. Just yeah. have it on at a party that I'll never throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someday. Maybe I mean, I'll tell you what I should do is I should get a bunch of mannequins and throw some of these parties. And then I don't have to invite anybody over because I'll already have all of my friends there with me. <laughs> yeah, your tourist trap <laughs> mannequin friends. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, to, to sort of go off part of what you just said, too, I, the, I love the music. 
If yeah. this mu- if this music didn't exist in this movie, it would be fucking unwatchable. True. It was comp- Italian composer Pino Donaggio, it's who so has good. over 200 credits, and he's the film closest to this one in his chronology he was working on was Piranha by oh, Joe Dante. Nice. I mean, it has and, like a cool sort of um, almost like a Rosemary's Baby kind of feel, but like on steroids. It's it's cool. It's eerie. It's fun. It's in your face. It's like everything is super heightened. Well, it's OK. Great. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. The, the, the eeriness, Rosemary's. Yeah. 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 The 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 Rosemary's Baby reference to exactly what I just did. The ah, yeah. yeah. Which is also a diegetic sound that comes in and is great. It's kind of interchangeable, diegetic, non-diegetic. That sound of like the, the female mannequins make because oh. a certain point they're making them more on screen. But anyway, oh. Tim, but there's also in addition to that creepy music. Do you remember the opening credits Dude, music? It's 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 hilarious. It's it's hilariously awful and and perfect at the same time right that was just watching it again i was just that's when i was so sad you weren't there by my side for this because that was the exact kind of music right just picture you going like what the fuck right yeah i just think i would give you like a a quadruple take yeah it's like it's like i try to describe it as rugrats percussion where it's (laughs) It's it's like a lot of those those instruments or percussion that are just kind of like where you're rubbing a wood thing against another wood thing, you know, just those kind of ticky talk noises. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it is great. I mean, it's so dumb, but like, <laughs> it's like it the this composer did a really good job of being like, okay, what what does Woody sound like? You know, like yeah, we're watching yeah. Woody the character with a floppy, dumb, uh, gilly hat, gilly cap hat, or fisherman's hat, whatever you want to call it, and uh, he's pushing along a tire down the road with his shirt open, and it's just that's that's it. That is the music to that guy, right? Like, <laughs> absolutely. There's no other music that goes with him, and so like um, it's that kind of on the it's like on the nose, but for this movie, you, it, it's. Everything is perfectly on the nose. Like it, it makes the movie work to me. At yeah. Least. Uh, just to sort of get out of the way more stuff. That's like, um, well, I guess this is everything we're listing, but more of an overall thing of um, something that normally be a critique, but works for this. I kept thinking of you. You like to bring up the idea of double mumbo jumbo when you have oh two God. things crammed in to something that should just be one thing. Yes. So, so the, a producer actually did insist this movie, it didn't have any of the telekinetic elements to it. But then one of the producers just insisted all that was put in. <laughs> so, oh my God. So that felt like where it's normally, if this was trying to aspire to something bigger, where you have this tourist trap with killer mannequins. And then in addition to that, the person in charge of it all has telekinetic powers. And was it that it is kind of borderline double mumbo jumbo, if not entirely? Borderline. <laughs> but, well, well, no. Here's the thing: it's not only is this the kind of movie where the more mumbo jumbo you throw in sure. it, just the better it's going to be. Yes. Like, give us as much mumbo jumbo as possible. Demon wind it, you know. Yeah. Um, but there was something that actually kind of weirdly worked as far as if you have as far as like the answer to why are the mannequins moving or alive, um, that it would be someone with telekinetic powers is kind of just a fun way to explain, oh yeah, that is how you literally could bring life into these things. So 
I don't know. It's it's kind of a fun idea at the same time. That that's at the same time I caught myself thinking, okay, I think there is a way where if you're like if your starting point is the sort of a story of a person with telekinetic powers, it sort of makes sense and you can organically build on that to be like he builds all these people to not be alone and to control. We can circle back to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have nothing positive to say about it. <laughs> about the telekinetic well, powers? Well, actually, yes. Well, sure. Okay. As a standalone thing, like those moments are amazing. Like watching yeah. mannequins. Mannequins are fucking freaky. Like, obviously, we all know that. But like watching <laughs> them move on their own and like just doing weird ass shit and then topping it off with this weird mouth mechanism where they just like drop open and there's always like a clicking sound when they drop open. That shit is super disturbing. And like when they drop open their mouths, like the their oh. you know their mouth, the lower part of their jaw, like they'll lean forward and then it just goes click open, like in this oh, yeah. super <clears throat> unnatural, like gross, weird way. Yeah. I, I love that. Like that, just that gag or that sort of element is so creepy and just weirdly upsetting. And so, like from a design point of view having there be this supernatural element and allowing for things to fly around the room. And it just, it's a great element to have period. We could get into the, the nitty gritty of like the, the whatever logic or lack thereof in the, in what didn't work, but like just on its face, that shit rules for me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Dude, a fucking, a fucking Native American, like the most sort of cliched, like racist, horrible stereotype Native American, like animatronic um, mannequin throws like a tomahawk into the back of Becky's head. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that is amazing shit. It's just so good. And so like. I, I mean, I think you can argue the merits of the supernatural bit, but like the animatronic, even just take the animatronic aspect of it. That's fucking super scary and unnerving as of as, you know, by itself. So I'm into all of that. Mannequin, mannequin me up. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Just to stay on mannequins, that was I really loved having the sort of the intro where he shows them the kind of put a quarter in show yeah. of the mannequins doing their thing. Very Disneyland esque. And then we do get the payoff where that's sort of where the final fracas happens. Yeah. And it's fun where it's like she's having to literally escape from being shot at by live bullets from these <laughs> uh mannequin animatronics. Yeah. That yeah. That's cool. Speaking of live bullets, the moment the 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 big reveal of like Mr. Slauson being the killer when he <laughs> they do a lot of kind of really fun little little gags to to make the the casual viewer i guess their attempts to sort of uh um misdirect that that Slauson can't be the killer so like he hands Molly the the shotgun this is sort of two thirds of the way in, right? And he hands it to her, and he's like, "I'm gonna go check out what's going on in there, or whatever." And he goes in, and he's like, "She's like, I've never shot a gun," and he's like, "You just point and pull the trigger." And she, so she's standing there with a the shotgun. 
he goes in and then of course mannequin man comes out right and she shoots him and i was like wow fucking molly yeah like you got him good job pretty solid and then his his fucking reaction when she, she shoots him twice and he gets up and he he says something like uh bang bang you're dead bang bang you're dead (laughs) and she's like but i shot you and he's like with blanks it's just such a dumb gag and of course he wouldn't give her a loaded gun but that's actually pretty nuanced shit in this movie yeah (laughs) you know what i mean like slawson's really playing a deep game here (laughs) well slawson he's just it's Okay, and yes, to transition, that was, I think, the best part about this movie is Slauson and Chuck Connors as Mr. Slauson. Of just that kind of character actor (laughs) or actor, whatever, that type, like, playing just, like, nutso crazy. Yeah. Just completely crazy. Like, that, specifically, that scene you described, I love it when we have, where we clearly know this guy is the crazy bad guy, but then put up against immediately the scene where he's still like, oh, now, let me tell you, uh, everything will be okay. Or, like, when he's like, "Did what? who did this to? Did an animal get to you? Well, they, it, it, they go even one step further, which really cracked me up. They have a scene where nobody else is around. It's just him. And he's playing it out like he doesn't know what's going on. He goes <laughs> he goes into the house by himself to find Eileen, to quote unquote, oh, yeah. find Eileen. He opens the door and she's been mannequined and strangled or whatever. And he's like, oh, damn. Like, you did that, dude. That's what makes me go, oh, he's, he's split personality, sort of like whatever. Which, if they had played it out, I, I can get behind that, but... It's just so funny to fuck with the audience in that way because it's like, it's, I don't know, it's cheap. It's super cheap, right? Like, if you wanted to make a much more, like, deeply layered movie, you 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 can do that scene where he's playing it up that he he doesn't know what's going on. But you better fucking give a reason for him to play it up. I know I'm criticizing yeah. now, but like but I like I like that that scene's in there because the movie's so off the rails anyway. Just who gives a shit? Fuck with but the audience. You don't even have to take that moment at face value though. You're like, "Oh, this is just the kind of crazy he is where he's <laughs> well, he yeah, is just yeah, exactly. having fun." Like, I'd like to see that kind of even more in a way. Yeah. I'd like well, to see we get him it. be have that sort of conflicted like what the fuck's going on internally. I guess you kind of <laughs> get it a little bit, but well, I, it's the thing it's I don't know, I think whenever he is in the mode of whatever character he's playing, he's, you know, fully doing it. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean, he's committed. It's, it's so funny in retrospect at the um seen this movie the second time where he has a line at the beginning of the movie after knowing the whole movie is just about how this guy is just crazy and entertaining himself he says (laughs) at the beginning at that waterhole scene when you get to be my age you get to figure in what life is all about yeah as if oh what his 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 life has taught him his age-old wisdom (laughs) of just it's all about having fun in this extremely idiosyncratic uh murderous way yeah yeah (laughs) And using his telekinetic powers, which he says, <laughs> I shouldn't have to hide my power. It oh. feels good. Oh, my God. That's right. What does he say? I, I sent this to you. What the fuck does he say? 
Why don't you like me? <laughs> oh my god! Why don't that you Tim? Like so me? that was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, you can guess that. Imagine you watching it with me. That that was my favorite thing in this film was any time he was in that like mode and voice talking to himself and just <laughs> knowing that it was this guy Chuck Connors like putting on these characters and voices and just like yeah the the line that like we just said why don't you like me and stuff like that but then when he's just mumbling talking to himself going on yeah. and it's just so obvious and stupid but it's so good because it's him doing it and you just hear him going like what's all this just you know very close perspective <laughs> yes. to the mic talking oh my kim it just cracked me up every single time <laughs> it tickled me tickled me so hard <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I was into it, too. Plus, like, some of the outfits he would pair with that voice where it's like it's like a weird phantom of the opera greaser guy mask. (laughs) And then he puts on like a tailcoat tuxedo and a top hat and like (laughs) sort of shimmies his way into the basement doing a spin. (laughs) Like, we're gonna have a party. Oh, my God. Like, I really it is just shitty schlock, but it's so fun. Because, yeah, you have that actor telling him, you know, okay, like whatever the direction was, whatever the script was, that is like he's imitating a voice. And then to have this is Chuck Connors' take on like doing a crazy killer voice. It's just endlessly amusing. You know, I could I could actually see this being a really funny play. (laughs) Yeah, it would actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, there's I mean, you know. There's a lot of just sort of fun to it. You 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 obviously can't get bogged down in any logic shit because it is incomprehensible. There is no logic. I mean, there's the threads of the wife and the brother, and which because it's that's it's it really his, right. That's kind of it. Yeah, and because it's his backstory, it's all fun though. Just any little detail as to who the heck this guy is and what contributed right. to his craziness. It's just fun. I like the really like heartfelt scene that he has where he's like talking about his wife. Yeah. It's right. Yeah, he had a few big monologues in there, yeah, actually. It's it's nice and and like <laughs> it seems almost out of place, but it's 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 smart. Like it's a it's an effective tool to get us kind of on board with him, even though yeah. there's n- there is zero reason to believe he's not the killer. <laughs> right. You know, like there's that it, had he not turned out to be the killer, I would have been fucking furious. Oh, right. That would have been the twist in itself. That would have been so lame. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they. <laughs> it's not horrible. It's just it's not good. Um, how about some individual like moments or kills? I mean, as far as crazy slouse and stuff, there's the big dinner scene with him and the other mannequin offering him crackers or what was that? Do you remember that hey, scene? No, what? It, it was just like within within like the last half hour where it's like he sits down with the mannequin. Oh, and he's like, want some crackers? Oh, well, yeah, it's the I think it's the Eileen mannequin. She's got yeah, the yeah, shawl yeah. on and the and the scarf. The dark yeah. hair. Yeah, there's just shit funny. like that where I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved when uh, it's when Becky 
uh, played by Tanya Roberts gets captured and it's like the mannequins. There's the shot of like all the mannequins like appearing over her Ugh. and they're all making the ah, I, noise. That's my favorite. The, the Becky sort of like trajectory is is my favorite stuff. I know Mo- yeah. Molly's a little bit more of because she's the final girl of it and all. But like the Becky stuff is so good that I don't know, like that. At, I love attics, creepy attics, creepy basements, but creepy attics are great. And shit coming out of the darkness in a creepy attic is, yeah. is, is like one of my favorite things. And so having she does a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of her kind of like kind of half acidly flinging herself around. You know what I mean? And like and the, the mannequins are kind of multiplying and coming out after and falling on her. It's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> the um and then of course the scene where he's live in front of them putting the wax on one of them that's tied down. Yeah, the plastic. He, yeah. He's like narrating the whole thing. It's <laughs> like terrifying though, just because it's so visceral yeah. of like, uh, getting my face covered with this stuff. Yeah, that. Yeah, I've always thought, you know, just being able to breathe is, is, you know, an important thing. And I've always had a bit of a claustrophobia thing around that. And um, the I've always thought, like, if anybody ever needed to take one of those plaster cast molds of my face, because I don't breathe through my nose very well. I've had such bad allergies in my life that my sinuses are always just totally inflamed. So I kind of don't have clear passageways through my nose and the idea of like having straws coming out of your nose and that's the only way you can breathe you can't open your mouth to breathe with the plaster on it is fucking terrifying so then obviously taking it one step further where it's like no no you just can't breathe at all like you just aren't (laughs) like your face is plastered up is no straws horrifying to me so i i viscerally really like got got my heart rate up it was a good one um, I just forgot to mention the detail at the big the big mannequin show at the end. I loved how after it's all over and she dies, the one mannequin like tips his little top hat he's wearing just as like a final. <laughs> if you remember, that was funny. Wait, one of the mannequins at G. <laughs> Wait. It's like the it's like the he final does. final motion. He after, like takes his little bullet. After Molly kills Slauson, there's a little hat tip. No, after they kill. Uh, after they kill, is it Becky then? Oh, oh my God. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I remember exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. In that, in the big showroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude. That, that. that shit is great. It does. Like um, the tongue in cheek stuff in this is really good. Like I almost wanted it to sort of lean more into that. Uh, I loved when the boyfriend uh, reappears and we already know he's been mannequined, but it's like they just have the actor just full on playing him. But then they do the fun stuff of like, no, his arm and his head both get twisted Dude, off to show. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, but I didn't really know he was mannequined. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that him walking up to him and taking his arm off was shocking to me i was like whoa and then then twisting his head off oh dude fucking brought me back to like my younger days just ripping apart gi joes like the og gi joes the like 12 inchers man those ones where you'd like rotate their torso and it'd spin a bunch backwards because they had a little (laughs) rubber band inside those those are the four inchers but yes those two uh dude Yeah. yeah i mean all that shit it just is a fucking it's a fun gag 
Uh, I, it, uh, I also I'm that there are a couple scenes where you you're seeing mostly the just the standard mannequin type faces, and then suddenly they add super grotesque ones. Yeah, like weird troll faces, and and it, it, there's mixed in there like just regular old people are mixed in there, and then like. The dead people, like zombie, like human dead people start to show up in the very end, like uh, when Molly is sort of losing her shit. And like all of that is just, it's completely off the fucking chain at that point. Yeah, there's that one like dummy face that's like a melty faced woman, super exaggerated, just like more like a creature. Yes. That one was I love all that shit. I mean, it just goes fucking ballistic, like into who, who the fuck cares at that point. It's that just, was great. The final, weird. we're final. Where Mister Slauson uh, finally gets it, where he yep. gets the axe in the back by her, and he's like dancing with the dead wife, and all the <laughs> other mannequins are encroaching on them. Well, it, it made me. Yeah, I mean, I like all that because it kind of then makes you think like, who's who's uh, who are we watching this? Like, whose brain are we watching this through? Because because yeah. I started to think, you know, Molly. Molly is the sort of odd person out in this movie, right? Like Becky and Jerry are together. Uh, Eileen and Woody are together. Molly's this sort of fifth wheel character. She takes a little shine to Slauson right at the beginning, even though it's super creepy and weird. There's that weird kind of chemistry between them. And it just made me think, you know, from a certain point of view, you could just say that Molly is an insane person and all of this is in her head. Uh-huh. And that's sort of the culmination, like that somewhere along the the line, her brain just broke, and this whole thing is a is a just a a imaginary made up thing that she's <laughs> experiencing, and she's just going further and further into insanity because that last but- scene is completely out of control. Like I I don't mean the last scene of her. I mean when she kills him. I mean, her driving off with four mannequins is also out of control. Like, she's obviously lost her fucking mind. Right. That was the last big thing I had that worked for me. We already mentioned it in the summary, but just that last shot, so classic. She's (laughs) continuing their road trip in the car with the ball. And yeah, yeah, it isn't like she's she's crying and she's just, you know, taking them with her in case she can bring them back somehow. It is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I've gone crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah. yeah, she's just out for, a, a you know, a nice Sunday drive. Yeah. With her pals. After after her <laughs> stop at the tourist trap. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like there's there's a lot of the little individual goods and it takes a it takes a long time to get through it. Well, what was the run, run time? Oh, it's only ninety minutes. Jesus, man, it feels took a lot to get longer. through it. That <laughs> that sound it feels longer. That sounds all these things, Tim, are sounding like you're ready to talk about what did not work. Yeah, is there anything else that I need to tell you that I that worked? Ooh, well, just just. You know, you know, just just to get it off my chest, Tanya Roberts is very attractive. <laughs> that worked for me too. <laughs> yep, very attractive, and it was it was really nice to uh, to watch a movie with her in it. 
Tourist Trap, 1979. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Featuring Tanya Roberts. Yep. There we go. If you needed more reason to watch it. <laughs> well, here's some, some reason to maybe not rush into it. <laughs> it sounds like you're ready. I'm ready. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've already said it, but for me, it really was just those sort of not too specific things of just it kind of took a while to get to the fun stuff sometimes. Um, this threw me off some of the music cues like that whole scene with him at the pool at the beginning it's like it was supposed to be uncomfortable clearly yeah where it's like he walks up to the but at the same time there's like a music cue that told you oh no it was supposed to be pleasant or we're supposed to feel for him a little bit too that just <laughs> felt weird sure yeah i get um you. i don't know just something and and it's 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 weird too because like there's of course, you know, I already I already explained it how I love it for all its its weirdness and its quote unquote badness. But at the same time, like it is there's some genuinely like creepy things if you're just reading it as a story or look at it as face value or are able to watch this as like an actual quote unquote movie, like where you're really invested into the characters and plight, where like it could have been fun if it had actually worked in that sense too. So Yeah. Just to, just to say that. A lot of it to me feels like incomplete ideas. And that that's always a problem. It's like they they got to a certain point in the process of sort of fleshing out what they what they want and they and they stopped halfway. Yeah. You know like I, I there's there's a, a a huge problem for me in a lack of sort of who who are we on board with, right? Like you never really see this movie through anybody specifically and nobody really makes decisions that make any sense. <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of just, it's not even just like the fun of, oh, you know, I'll be right back. Don't, you know, like don't go in there. Why are you doing it? It's, it's, it's actually too far into just dumb. Like they're, they're acting dumb in, in, not a fun way like hey don't please don't go to that house people live there or whatever my brother lives there just stay here and the girl is like fuck that i'm going and it's like dude you haven't even been there for five minutes you can (laughs) like what's the rush you know like show us that they've been waiting for a long time and you've gotten to the point where you're gonna now go this is fucking bullshit i'm going down there and calling somebody she she goes right away he like closes the door and she's like let's go to the house it's like dude chill out yeah and then she goes down the house and is hearing voices and shit and she's just snooping around that you're just asking for it then yeah. So it's like there's this really fine line for me where it's like you got to have character logic. And you, you if you're going to have characters do things that are illogical, you have to have a reason. And this just totally I mean, it's like they just don't give a fuck. They're just like, just get on with it. But having said that, they get on with things that lead nowhere a lot of the time. Right. Like how many times did they go back and forth between the house and the fucking 
the actual shop. Right out that same path with the lights on it. And you're just like, Ugh, kill them already. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of that where it's just sort of like, it seems like they're piecing it together as they go. Like, what? <laughs> it's all to me, it's all just why, why. Like, there's a big, there's just a series of like, why did you do it that way? Like, why, why does, when, when Slauson captures Becky, he brings her down into the basement, right? And we see that this other girl is on the table tied down. We've, we have no idea who she is, right? Becky doesn't acknowledge that she's there at all. I guess Becky's kind of passed out or whatever. And then in that shot, there's, there's like a tarp under the stairs, and then Slauson pulls the tarp down and it's Jerry and he's tied up. It's like, wh- what? Why? Why? Why did he have a tarp on him? <laughs> like what? Yeah. What purpose does that serve for, for the story or for the audience to to like move along or to be surprised? And also, that's your best shot. Like camera in the corner. <laughs> like why? Why aren't we like? Getting a little bit in inside the the what's going on and being like, like be inside Becky's mind, see her, see the woman on the table, and then get grabbed by from behind and realize that it's Jerry and maybe Jerry has a, a, a you know like whatever you like. There's there's a million opportunities just in that like simple basement scene for fucking fun scares point of view, creepiness, all that shit. And they just they just set a camera in the corner and like, let's play it out. Yeah, it did it's feel like, like it just feels it was, half-assed. Well, it, I mean, yeah, half-assed in a way. Like you could see where like you can get that influence from where there's shots like that in Texas Chainsaw, you know, where it's just kind right, of right. puts a kind of horrifying objective thing. Like when she's captured, put in the bag by, you know, mm-hmm. the midway point mm-hmm. and we're just kind of have that objective. Um, but, you know, there's a place and a time. I, I just want to say that way of shooting it isn't inherently bad. But no, I hear you. Like You're where, right. It's, it's that definitely not inherently bad, but it it. If it if it doesn't have if it's not serving the scene, then it's not good either. It's just it just is. It's just yeah. arbitrary here. Put the camera there and let's go. That's not enough for me. Right. Like if you're being really critical and like wanting to to like push people to make something good, that's it's not enough. Like try harder. Think yep. a, just just a little bit more. Now, look, we don't know. There could be all sorts of constraints and reasons that that's the take we got. That's yeah. fine. I'm totally willing to give that, you know, uh, conceit. But it's I don't know. It's just it's just boring. That's that type of stuff leads to it's not just one time. Right. Like you see it throughout the movie and there are things where you just kind of are like, OK. And yeah. that kills any kind of fun and momentum that they build at certain points that you just go, oh, all right, well, whatever, I'm kind of bored now. So that to <laughs> right. me, that's the like the wash of the whole movie that I get kind of bored with. It's like, I hate to be gratuitous about it, but like even having the skinny dipping scene, it's like, why even have a skinny dipping scene if you aren't going to, if you aren't going to have the sort of like the, quote unquote titulation of seeing at least the fact that they're skinny dip. It's like it, it it's middling. It's like have you could do it in a way where where it's you're not seeing any actual like TNA, but you're 
showing it from like, do some Michael Myers POV type stuff where somebody is spying on them and there are leafs that are, that are obstructing the view just enough so we don't actually see boobs if you don't want to have that in there. But do something with it. Don't just no. have it be lame. To, as as a way, yeah, to maybe translate, just don't have it be lame. What I take that to mean is like use, give us, give us some perspective, give us some like filmmaking perspective yes. on it versus while a perspective can be a sort of stand back, be objective point of view that wasn't being used explicitly as a tool here. Exactly. It was yeah. just sort of like getting coverage, quote unquote, just plain and simple. Which, yeah. you know, doesn't have that intent behind it. Well, and, and you know, I think it's sort of, it shows in, in the details are being overlooked in a lot of ways. And this is, it's weird because there are movies and filmmakers where that is fine. Yeah. You, you know, and it's, and it doesn't matter. But like... That's why it's nice to try to put it as have a perspective. It's exactly, you know? exactly. When it's it's all just this middling shit. The ideas yeah. are kind of middling. They're not really fully formed. A lot of the there's no pers- there's no perspective. That's all kind of middling. You know, f- continuity. You don't really give a shit in a movie like this. But even like when he, like the moment, the moment that the bad guy gets axed. He gets axed from behind, and then the next shot is the axe handle in front of him, like he got axed from in front. Uh, and it's just like, dude, what? You can't, you can't match that. Like you can't, I, you can't be bothered to match where the axe went in. Uh, that's nuts. I'm not gonna make excuses for them. That's lazy. I'm sorry. That's fucking lazy. Now, if you discover, hey, I, whatever, I didn't notice it both times. I just watched it. So, <laughs> but I'm saying, if you discover that the prosthetic that you are attaching only works, you know, from the front, reshoot her hitting him with it. Yeah, that's an easy fix. It's just fucking here. Let's, well. Whatever. Every uh, Tim was the only one who noticed. So, <laughs> and I get it, man. Like I've shot shit. The movie I, I'm working on now. There's a couple moments where I'm like, Ugh, the only way to make this edit feel right is to cheat the continuity a little bit. Yeah. You know, and like so be it. But when there are things that are really, really egregious, you gotta just fucking fix it or cut it. For me. Well, I feel like they didn't have a lot of options with what they were working with at this point. <laughs> they had a sweet Jeep. That, that, yeah. like, how'd they get that thing? Um, so <laughs> since because kind of things that didn't work is what worked for me in this, I don't really have anything else, do you? No, not really. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what we forgot to mention? And what did work? Well, it's both for me. Okay. So, but we should have mentioned it in what did work because it, do- <laughs> it does work, but it also fucking doesn't work. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, <laughs> ju- he, d- without hesitation, jumps out of a second story window. <laughs> Wait, no, it's not a second story window. It's just out onto like a little onto the balcony. He doesn't know there's a balcony there. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that was great. I only put that in what worked. It was one of those incredible moments. I, 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 I sent you the, the gif earlier. It is. It is in and of itself. But like in the broader sense, it's stuff like that that just makes me go, yeah, but no, I love it. But n- come on. Yeah, but you got to pick one or the other for this one, you know? I don't know. Like, I think it's I mean, just, this... it just speaks to the broader sort of filmmaking problem that I have of, like, if you're going to have a character do that, at least give us a moment where he's like, fuck, I have to, this is my only option. Yeah, but no, not this movie, because that was one of the best indelible moments of it, where he just, like, <laughs> okay. without pause, jumps out the window. Like, again, like, maybe what, I, I see what yeah, you're saying, what yeah. didn't work, but that is not this movie. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's fair. Okay. Let's move yeah. on to th- things of note. Um yeah. All right. Things of note. Things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. So I uh yeah, for, basically I did all my note digging. I watched the uh for the second time through the Joe Bob uh, narrated inner, inner, <laughs> inner, t- what, what, in, not inner titles, you know, comes in for quote unquote commercial breaks, lays oh, down sure. his, yeah. his, his yeah. horror knowledge. So it was fun learning about this film a bit. The director, David Schmuller, well, he, Chuck Connors, you know, who's famous for the rifleman, um, the rifleman, kind yeah. of like what Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, very more much or less. So, yeah. That kind of TV show. So Chuck Connors was th- third in their choices. I think Jack Palance was their first choice. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> even their third choice, getting Chuck Connors, da- the director David Schmoller, was very surprised and elated. Chuck Connors took it. And he found out later that was because Chuck Connors kind of like was thinking that maybe he could be, as he put it, the Bor- Boris Karloff of the 80s. Wow. Like he could kind of have a late stage career just pumping out these these like low rent slashers or whatever. What happened? But sadly, that did not end up happening. Damn it. <laughs> right. Poor I know. Chuck. He's even great. You know what I think more- is cool about Chuck? He's he's such an interesting dude, right? Like he's just one of these dudes from a weird era. Well, weird to us, in, I think, in a way. Like, we're just so removed from it. Like, the world that he came up in, I mean, he's essentially, uh, let's see, he's like five years younger than my grandfather was. So, he's uh-huh. very, he reminds me a little bit of, of my mom's dad, um, who passed away, uh, I don't know when that was, six months ago or something. Or no, a year and six months ago. Um, but like totally cut from the same cloth, totally athletes, you know, of that era. I don't well, know he, if Chuck served in the, uh, in the military at all, but like has that kind of feel. And it's well, he like, was, he was a literal athlete. Didn't you know he played yeah. major league baseball and basketball and He's basketball. Like, That's crazy. So like, how, how he made the transition was from when he was playing baseball, he had the reputation and he'd kind of piss off all the other people on his own team and the other team where he'd like <laughs> clown around and ham stuff off where apparently after hitting a home run or whatever, he'd run backwards across the bases. <laughs> like he, he did that once. And then apparently after he did that, a pitcher like 
pitched it ball right at his head and knocked him down. Yeah, that's, and then, that's the deal. <laughs> and then I think it was, you know, an ancient a scout or something after that, after sort of saw him, you know, hamming it up, doing that kind of thing, got him to cast him and to play a bit part in something. And then like once he saw, oh, wow, I made that easy $500 paycheck doing this. I'm going to switch to acting. Nice. <laughs> so and yeah. then um a bit more on the rifleman that i thought was funny that joe bob pointed out was every episode ended with his son saying dad you won after this you know a show where he's just having to kill everybody with a rifle <laughs> and then he says at the end of every episode no son nobody wins with violence wow and then i have some kind of monologue on that and then would be back next week to kill another handful of people <laughs> well um, a handful of bad people Right. <laughs> so it's, it's justified. No, Tim, nobody wins with violence. Oh, oh, shit. Okay. Well, so says he. And then a bit on the uh, director, David Schmoller. Um, he was a literal student of the filmmakers Alejandro Jodorowsky and Bunuel. Wow. Like, which is like, okay, when you watch Tourist Trap, you couldn't really think of films cut from a further cloth. No, you, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I and don't then, even know what to think of that. Right. Um, and then he went on to make, you know, he went on and did another string of kind of low rent horror films, but including his most famous, most famous by name, aside from Tourist Trap, was Puppet Master. Ooh. <laughs> he made Puppet Master. Nice. And then now he teaches film in Las Vegas at UNLV. Oh, okay. That's cool. You can f- find him these days. But yeah, no, you mentioned the music and the composer. I love that I, I mentioned how he got this composer, Pino DiNaggio. I said he was at the time working on Piranha with Joe Dante and they needed a translator. Um, and so Schmoller spoke Spanish, which uh, DiNaggio also spoke Spanish. So that's what he got a translating job, you know, on Piranha helping him out. And because he got to be friends with him (laughs) on that film, that's how he was able to talk him into doing this like lower rent film that was, you know, kind of below his reputation. But he got like a fifth of the film's budget, apparently, I think went to the composer (laughs) to get him. Um, Yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. It was great. Oh, yeah. Talked him into it. The other thing, crew, crew-wise, that I think is interesting is the it's the same production designer as Texas Chainsaw. Oh, cool! A uh, guy, guy named Robert A. Burns. Um, okay, he worked on Texas Chainsaw. He worked on The Hills Have Eyes. Um, you know, he was sort of instrumental in figuring out how to get those like you know poltergeist type stuff in this movie working. All of the stuff flying around. Um, okay, so you know, pretty cool. This, Tim, may be uh, more of an interesting thing of note for just people who live in Hollywood like you and me. But um, the filming location was at an abandoned house at that was like about to be demolished at 5255 Hollywood Boulevard. What? They were able to they were able to save money, like three thousand dollars, it says, by, you know, on construction and soundstage fees is by shooting at this abandoned location but 5255 hollywood boulevard is that's um, like down the street from me isn't it right it's right between us it's um it's it's on harvard and hollywood boulevard it's right where the the like the right side of that that thai plaza is like crispy pork gang it's like right at the (laughs) it's crispy pork gang's address no shit wow wild so that 
So it's fun. The tourist trap was filmed kind of equidistant, super close between the few miles Tim and I live apart from each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Be fun to see like some uh, photos to see what the building was. It's just it blows my I love that kind of stuff. Like I love pictures like comparing pictures from the past of of like an area to what it looks like today. Like any book that is like a then and now like photo book or whatever is like I can't like not I can't wait. What am I trying to say? I can't not look at it. I have to look at it. I have to. Yeah. So many town, and when you know a town specifically, it's oh, so cool to see. It's the best. It's always, it's kind of like Back to the Future 3 always felt like the that, the movie to me, like seeing Hill Valley back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always satisfied that. I, I you but. know, I uh, was in a, a an Enterprise commercial once, and uh-huh. the, the first day we did two days was shot uh, one block on the universal set one block away from the hill valley uh town square with like the clock tower and everything and all of all of my downtime that's where like uh all you know all of the sort of holding everybody just hung out over there that's where <laughs> cool. like we like we had lunch in under tents like in the square <laughs> it was crazy i'd never actually i mean i'd been through it you know i've driven past it like when i've worked on stuff but i never like got out and walked around it until i was there for that commercial it was awesome fun yep great any other things of note oh i don't know how are you feeling i've got that's all i've got i'm ready for to move on from tourist trap all right well let's, all right let's move on Let's move on to recommendations. Right. What do we want to recommend dead? I'm worried that I've already recommended this, so I got to check. All right. Well, I will go into what I can enthusiastically and certainly recommend dead. It's been hard for me recently, Tim. I haven't seen to or read whatever too much that I've been super excited about. But oh man, Tim, I watched a movie that had been on my watch list for a while last night. It's called The Beach Bum. It's Harmony okay. Cur- Harmony Corinne's latest movie. If I don't know if you've seen his other films, Spring Breakers was his last one. Uh, Gummo is kind of a, a famous it, no. first one that put him on the scene. If you remember Gummo, God no. Tim, you gotta watch Harmony Corinne movies, okay? No, stop yelling at and then me. You gotta, Tim, and then you gotta watch his <laughs> David Letterman interviews, okay? He's a weirdo. You'll love okay. it. But any Tim, <laughs> this movie, The Beach Bum, with Matthew McConaughey as the titled Beach Bum. Yeah. The titular Beach Bum. Oh, my God. Tim, it might be, like, one of my favorite movies of the decade. Wow. Like, if I'm putting together my top of the decade list one of these days. Wow. Like, I was just so taken with it. Like, from the first five seconds when you hear his Matthew McConaughey's kind of to himself lines underneath the title, <laughs> I just, like, was laughing and smiling already it's just it has the kind of plotting that I just love where it's not you know it's it's more atypical mm-hmm. it's not like a typical movie plotting which I love is for me just lets me really soak into the world when it kind of has its own just kind of inner logic flow but plenty of stuff does happen and just I don't know the kind of ethos beneath it all that was all about guys as they say don't sleep on beach bum <laughs> I, I I've certainly seen like the poster 
You got to watch Spring Breakers, Tim, and then watch The Beach Bum. Okay. All right. I mean, it's not like I don't have time on my hands. Great. Um, so I can't find that I've recommended this before, so I, I'm assuming I haven't. Um, but I finally got around to True Detective Season 3, which has Mahershala Ali as the lead, who is out. He's ridiculous. He's a ridiculously good actor. Um, but it also has Steven Dorff, who I don't think we generally think of as a gr- like a great talent. He is so good in this show. So Wait, wasn't he in some movie that we watched? Steven Dorff? Yeah. Oh, God, probably. I mean, he's the bad guy in the first Blade movie, which is kind of ironic because Mahershala Ali is now going to be Blade in the upcoming Marvel stuff, and he's in a show with Steven Dorff. It's, there's, you know, there's, what do you call that? Synchronicities, like in Hellier. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I'm thinking of? No, no, no. I'm thinking of he was the little kid in The Gate, which is one of my favorite kind of like <laughs> off-cuff horror films or kind of like cult horror movies. Oh, my God. Which I even though I know it, I would love to cover it on the show if people want to hear it. That's funny. Um, I've recommended The Gate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, The Gate is awful. I know you love it. Oh, it's it. so good, Tim. Oh, I, I, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> it's like a Goosebumps book. Exactly, is yeah. It. Um, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, True Detective Season 3. I didn't get into Season 2. I really liked Season 1, um, but 3 is solid. I haven't seen any of it. Cool. Well, maybe you should get into it, dude. All right. Cool. Maybe. Honestly, I probably won't soon, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe I will someday. Um, That's fair. You live your life, Ryan. I am, and I will continue to. Yeah. And I will continue to do so next by asking if you, Tim, could pull from our hat one of our remaining, I believe, two films we have in there. All right. Here we go. Oh, this might be actually very difficult to find. Um, it's called The Innocence, but it's the 1961 version. And I remember before we even did this podcast, I tried to find it because it was on a couple lists as being really scary. And I think it's got Deborah Winger or something like that. <laughs> that might be wrong. Um, but it's I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, I couldn't even find um, get, buying it anywhere, like online. So we, we might have to do some searching. Okay. It's on a, it's, looks like it has something written. Oh, it's on Criterion Collection. Oh, you have that, don't so, you? No, no, no. Meaning it's, it's, it, sorry, it, that doesn't mean it's necessarily on Criterion Channel. Oh, so. right, 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 right. But hopefully, maybe. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. If we can't track it down, there's only one other thing in here. Should I tell you what it is? The last one? I don't know. Wait? Should we? I, I feel know. like we got to always read it week by week. Let's that's just fine. assume the best. Well, that's fun. Okay. Um, yeah, we got to track it down somehow. I know our, even our uh, LA video stores are all closed down right now. I think maybe Cinephile is doing like a delivery one. I think you're but, right. But, um, the video tech, which I like to go to, which for us is in Pasadena, I think they're closed, closed. Yeah. Anyway, that's sorry. That's for our time off air here. Where there's a, <laughs> Let's just where there's a, about it. where there's a mission, we'll figure it out. In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. You can. 
You should. You will. Yep. Or yep. else. Uh, you can hang out with us on Instagram and um, and Twitter. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm terrible at Twitter. But That's okay, we're, Tim. we're there. I'm trying. I posted. Oh, you know what? I posted this the other day because it was a sad day. But we should we should acknowledge that um, the death of a wonderful uh, horror director just occurred. Um, do you remember oh, who yeah. it is? Stuart Gordon. Right. We had just reviewed um, uh, uh, the the, the, the B, no no not the from, beyond. from beyond from beyond yeah which was his he he was also on. Um, reanimator he you know he was he teamed up with all those guys um yeah he's he's awesome castle freak yeah i think he was was quite old he he was like 92 i think um yeah so you know definitely lived a nice long great life did put put some good stuff out in the world so yeah bummer but you know he he ruled and also um today passed away the composer uh the, who did you know whose music was used for The Shining? Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, that kind wow. of very discordant. Yeah, uh, amazing stuff. The, yeah, composer. He passed away today. Well, we live in a in a weird time. People are. I know. People are dying. I know. I mean, I wanted to. God, this was on my mind so much when it you know this was for uh, for being recording in quarantine, Tim. Mm-hmm. But like since we first talked about having to record in quarantine, I'm already so much in the mode of just feeling this like this is just a new normal, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We've been in it for two weeks or so now, so yeah, yeah. It's weird. Just uh, my, following it day my, by day. My apartment's getting cleaner by the minute. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's good. I'm, I'm glad you've been able uh, to put their time to good use. Yeah. I think that's really important. Have a good space. Take care of it well. Yep. Agreed. Well, I hope everybody out there is doing well and staying safe and, you know, stay stay home for now. And hopefully we'll we'll get through it. We'll get through it together. Even though you we're apart. Me, <laughs> pound to the beat of a different drum. <laughs> Anyways... Exactly. Everything Tim just said, I concur. And well, as always, and in closing, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>